0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Some of you guys know, one of my favorite stores to shop is Costco. You guys know about that? Well, maybe some of you guys know. I was there. When Costco had a grand opening in Wesley Chapel, it was a madhouse. It was worse than Christmas, but I was there because I was like, Costco isn't Wesley Chapel, guys. And I was just praising God. And if you think I like Costco because of good, their great prices and great service, you'd be right. And I'm not being sponsored by them right now. <laughs> but that's only one of the reasons why I like Costco. I like Costco because I think they're prophetic. Let me explain. If you have ever been to Costco, there are things that shows you the future. It could be February. Rest of the world could be in the dark, cold, wintry mix. And our Costco will have, like, water sport stuff. To tell us... Summer is right around the corner for Florida, right? They will have Halloween costumes months in advance to say, hey, the fall is coming, which means absolutely nothing in Florida, but the fall is coming. (laughs) They will have Christmas stuff months before so that we can feel like it's Christmas all year round. And then if you go to Costco right now, you're going to see all kinds of plants, soil, gardening tools, to say you should be planting something. It's spring, right? Now, whether you are a gardener, you plant something, you like plants or not, you should be planting something. Costco's prophetic. And this planting is a principle found all throughout the scriptures. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, there is this principle of planting, sowing to reap. There's sowing and reaping principle all throughout the scriptures. And tonight we're going to look at that principle of the sowing and reaping, what that meant for the ancient people, but what that means for us today. More importantly... How does the sowing and reaping look like or ought to look like in our life as we partner with God? Amen? So that's what we're going to look at. So if you have your phones, turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Bibles, even better. But phones with your Bible app, Galatians 6, 7 3, 10. And of course, I have it up for you. But you should look on your own. Because... Sometimes the Lord just highlights words. And I believe you have to have it open just to be able to be ready. All right, Galatians 6, 7 through 10. And this is the uh, Apostle Paul. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord. So here is Apostle Paul writing to the church saying, do not be deceived. Don't kid yourself. If you believe otherwise, God cannot be mocked. Now, I don't know if any of you guys ever thought that you could mock God and get away with it. Not not me. uh, But what is Paul talking about? Not many people think we can mock God. But what is Paul talking about? Well, he lays out a principle about sowing and reaping that's widely accepted truth among the Israelites. Among the ancient Israelites, the people, when talking about sowing and reaping, they knew it was true. Since the beginning of time from the creations of the world, God created seed-bearing plants and trees on the land to bear fruit with seeds in it. Did you know that all fruits have seeds? Yeah. I'm not a gardener, but I know that. Genesis 1.11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on that land that bear fruit with seed in it. In it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. So uh, consider this. This is the creation account in the very beginning when God created. He said, let there be, and there it was. He says in Genesis 1, that very beginning, he created seed-bearing plants to bear fruit. And it's in this account of the creation, he made man man and woman, Adam and Eve, and then after he created all the whole creation, he blessed them and said, be, what did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Anything that has seeds, be fruitful and multiply. He commanded the trees, be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth. Adam and Eve. So whether it's the plants, vegetables, animals, people, that which has seeds are to be sown to multiply that's the call and that was a commandment from the very beginning to fill the earth with abundance and the ancient people they believed this it was a agricultural economy meaning the entire economic financial system was based on farm you don't sow you don't reap you have nothing if you don't plant the seed. And Paul says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. The word, therefore, mocked literally means to turn your nose up. It's a figurative speech to say you are having contempt. You don't believe in it. And you're showing mockery of it. And the point that the apostle was making was this that you know the principle. This is the most natural principle of how the whole world operates. Do not deceive yourselves. Do not make mockery of God. And this principle is that if you do not live by them, you are mocking God. And here is the principle. Man reaps what he sows. Man reaps what he sows. This is true not only in the natural world, in the agricultural world, but it's also true in the spiritual world. The Bible says very clearly, you reap what you sow. The one who sows to uh, please his sinful nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit will reap eternal life. What we sow, we reap that harvest. And the outcome is determined by what we sow into. I hope that makes sense. Now, it's a simple principle. If, you, if that makes sense, if you are living by it, then awesome. Life is good. I can say amen. We can be on our way. But there's things that we know to be true, but we still don't live it. Or something we know is true, but we say, it's not really relevant. I mean, I don't garden. I don't sow. What are you talking about? Eric, I don't go to Costco. <laughs> Anyways. But let me expound on that principle of sowing and reaping. God has always used this principle of sowing and reaping to release his blessings. Sowing and reaping was a principle, the nature to which how God released blessings. Now, God blesses the whole world. We know that, okay? He rains down on the evil and the good and the righteous. But throughout the scripture, there are those that he has selected or he has chosen and he blessed and it was abundantly clear that it was God who blessed them. You guys understand? From the Old Testament to the New. But a few examples. There was a Genesis 26, 12. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. Very clearly, here is a guy who sowed and who reaped a harvest hundred times of his investment sown because God blessed him. So when there is this uh, sowing and reaping and God blesses that, there is this multiplication. It wasn't just good return or good growth. We're talking hundredfold. There is a harvest that's talked about even Jesus. Uh, uh, and you know this parable. A sower goes out to sow seeds, right? He scatters the seeds. And unlike the the machinery of today where the ground is dug up and the seeds are he, the sower spread just through seeds everywhere. And 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 the parable that Jesus talked about I guess some fell on On the path, on the hard surfaces, in between the rocks or the crevices or among the thorns. Now, that seed is good. It's a perfect word of God. The seed is perfect. But how successful that seed is, is determined by the condition to which it is planted. It is a condition that will make it, will determine whether it's successful or not. And you know the parable, most of them did not, you know, they get scorched and they Growing whatever, but that end of that parable Jesus said this in matthew thirteen eight other seeds now some seeds fell on good soil and produced grain some a hundredfold some sixty some thirty. Consider that a successful seed multiply thirty sixty hundredfold i don 't care who you are that's good investment if any of your money you put in a dollar and come back thirty dollars or 30, 60, 100 times, 1,000% return, that's good return. Whether you're a believer or not, God bless me. That's what you would say if you get that kind of a return. Meaning there's something supernatural. It's not about just you're happy with 15, 20%. We're talking multiplication, harvest of abundance. And we recognize that God's blessings are what we want. Any of you guys want to be blessed? I, I, that's rhetorical. That should be all of us. The only person who's not wanting blessings, you got to be crazy if you don't want God's blessings. But it's rhetorical. We all want God's blessings. And we've been going through in the past several weeks, or past several months actually, this walking with a father series. And it was to really just discover what is God plans for us. And he says, I have a plan for you. Plans for Shalom. That includes prosperity, to give you peace, that your whole life is whole, from your health to your wealth. Yeah, and we can even say prosperity is part of that. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel, but the gospel does include prosperity. I know this text has been manipulated by many, okay, but I'm not preaching that, I'm talking about literal God's plan for us. And his plan for us includes prosperity. It includes shalom and blessings for you. And Jesus says, I've come to give you life. Life abundantly. that, That abundantly says, it's beyond what you expected. Beyond what you think you deserve. And that blessings that God gives, I'm telling you, it's just the start. That blessings that God gives you are mere seeds. I want you to consider that. What God blesses you with, it I can tell you, you have a choice. You can eat seeds. It's edible, but you're not going to be satisfied. It will satisfy you maybe for one meal, but come on, we want meat. <laughs> okay, that's guy joke. All right. Let me talk over here these. <laughs> seeds will only satisfy temporarily, but what you sow with the seeds and plant, when you reap the harvest, you will say, "You're blessed." So the seeds and the blessings that we receive from the Lord, is it to eat and enjoy? Or is it to plant for the harvest that is to come? What I'm saying is, what God gives, there's a responsibility of what we do with what he gives. The parable that Jesus talked about, the seeds were his words. Perfect word. Yet, that word gets planted only on certain conditions. Where it takes root and brings a hundredfold harvest. When you sow what God has given you for His kingdom work, it is then that you get to reap the harvest. One example, one example of um, sowing and reaping what God gives opportunity is tithes and offering one of many examples. If you disagree with my view on tithes and offering, I'm okay with that, okay? Believe me, I've been in many debates and arguments with people. I don't mind if people disagree with me on some theological views. I'm secure in my view. I have done my homework, and I know what I believe. I will share what I believe to those who are willing to hear and listen, but if you don't, it's okay, okay? Because your view is not going to impact my um, life. But let me just give you a synopsis of what I believe of tithes and offering, what is found in the scripture. Tithe literally means 10%. It's 10% of what we have, of persons' goods, whether it's agricultural or monetary, it is given to God in act of worship. Okay? All throughout the scriptures. That it's 10%. So if it's not 10%, then it's not tithe, it's an offering. If we get technical, but again, doesn't matter. Well, why do I tell you about this? Because I have seen people argue with me, or or actually even within the church. Again, we can have different views, but we can still be united, okay? This is just my perspective. People have argued, I've heard say, uh, tithe is... Old Testament law. Therefore, it is not relevant for our New Testament believers. But what I have seen many examples throughout the scripture is that people give their tithe as an act of first-fruit offering to God to say, God provided, I'm grateful, I, I give. Long before the law was given. You understand? So if it's about the law, well, if it and was done before the law, then it wasn't really the law. It was an act of worship. Uh, a few examples, if you remember... Abel, Cain and Abel story. Abel gave the firstborn, the first of his flock. He gave the better sacrifice before his brother Cain got jealous and killed him. That was in Genesis account. I think Genesis 4 or something like that. Then Abram, uh, in Genesis 14, he, after a battle, he gives an 10% of, the, of all his possessions to King Melchizedek which is king of righteousness, king of peace, or prince of Salem, right? And we see that King Melchizedek blessed Abram in the name of the most high God. That was Genesis 14. Jacob gave his 10% when he saw the stairway to heaven, right, at Bethel. And he says, the Lord is here, and he gives his 10%. And that's Genesis chapter 26. So Genesis comes before Exodus, the law is given in Exodus chapter 20, after the God makes a covenant with Israelites. All those examples I gave you were pre-law, were examples of worship. Again, if you think it's the law, you don't have to give, it. it's okay. We can agree to disagree. But the question that people ask is, so then are we commanded to give our tithes or not? And this is what we all agree at the resting place. And it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says this. Um, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Just leave that up there. This is New Testament. 2 Corinthians 9.6. And it talks about What we give in the principle of sowing and reaping. There's a relationship of what you sow that will determine what you reap. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. But you must give as the Holy Spirit conviction and this is our banner in the back Who says we believe in the cheerful giver who gives out of the conviction of the holy ghost that's what we believe okay whether you think it's the law or not it doesn't matter it has to be worship it has to be something that you give out of abundance of your heart as an overflow to say god gave me what i have and in response i'm going to give my whatever and some I've heard another pastor argue, well, some people argue about 10%. Well, in the Old Testament, God gave a portion, and, and so people gave a portion. In the New Testament, God gave his whole life, 100%. And in response, we should give 100%. Come on, 10% is a lot easier than 100%. Just saying. If you're going by the New Testament principle... But what if? What if what we give or what we sow determines what we reap? You know, as I was preparing this message, I have to confess, it's like, oh, I don't want to preach this message. And I can even say that um, I started hearing voices, Like, as I'm preparing, I'm thinking what your response might be as I prepare this message. And one thing is, oh, here's a pastor again. He's going to manipulate me to want to give to the church. So I have to take out my wallet and all that stuff. And, And maybe it has been done by other pastors. I don't know. But whenever there is... Talk of money in the church, it makes people feel very uncomfortable. And I didn't want to do that. Do you understand? That's the last thing I ever want to do is to talk about money or ask you to give. So this message I want you to keep whatever. This is not up to me. I'm not giving this message to tell you to give anything. I'm telling you I didn't want to preach this message. I'm telling you the only reason I preach this message is because if I don't, I would be robbing you of the blessings that is due you. If I don't teach the full truth of the scripture, I would be robbing you of God's blessings. This is harder than I thought. <laughs> I, I take, and I shared this with our, our serve team leaders the other night. I take this pulpit very seriously. Um, I did corporate public speaking before my call. That was a lot easier than preaching God's word. Because who am I to preach God's word, to teach you what God is saying? Who am I? And if I were to manipulate this position to teach anything other than God's word for my personal, selfish, whatever agenda, God will judge me more harshly than you because of the position that I'm in. So I revere this position. I'm just saying that. But you have to wonder why am I preaching what I don't want to preach. I want you to ask that question. Eric, why are you preaching what you don't want to preach? Send the word, but because I love you. I'm getting uncomfortable just talking about money and saying this. But again, I don't want you to be robbed because I get so uncomfortable about something. What you give does not matter for me. In fact, even when we planted this church, even when we planted this church, okay, my wife is saying no. Happy wife, happy life. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. How we position ourselves with God in partnering with him to sow the seeds that he has given given us will determine the kind of harvest we will have. I believe tithing is the way we partner with God. It's sowing into what we believe. Tithing is, is putting into action what we say we believe. Because the principle of the sowing and reaping reveals what's in our hearts. We So we invest, we put effort into that which we believe in. If we don't believe in it, we won't do it. Let's consider investments. Do you invest in things that you think you're going to fall? No, you invest in things that you expect to rise. When you expect, have a hopeful outcome of a positive response of growth or multiplication. That's an investment. Otherwise, you're a poor investor if you expect it to fall and you put your money down. We invest in what we believe. In the same way, we use sow into what you believe. Sowing and reaping reveals what's in our hearts, what we value. The question is, are we partnering with God to put what we value into for the future? Expecting multiplications or growth of what God says. Whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously, reaps generously. There's a direct correlation of what we give to what we receive. What if the Bible is true? What if what we read is true? There, it's saying that there's a direct correlation of what we do to what God wants to give. What if God wants to give blessings, but he waits to see do you trust him or not by putting in your seed's Or not. Again, if you believe the tithing is in the Old Testament law and you don't have to give, that's fine. It does not impact this church, my pay, or anything whatsoever. But I do know it will impact your life. What you believe and how you live will impact your life, not mine, your life. I'm telling you this because I love you guys. And I want you to be blessed. I've been going through this series too so that we can experience the life of abundance together. And if, you know, let, me, let me just say this. I, I have been in many debates about the subject of tithe and offering with many people and I learned to avoid it all together. Why? Because I know the people who want to argue with me or debate with me are the ones who don't tithe. They're arguing against the tithing as opposed to arguing for the tithing. I've never seen people, we have to tithe. We should give more than 10%. Well, I've never seen that. I've only seen the argument against the tithing because people don't want to give. I'm just saying, that's just been my observation. That's fine. Let you be. But here's my observation, another observation. People who believe in tithing, to people who don't believe in tithing. There is much more abundance and affluence to those who believe in tithing to those who don't believe in tithing. In fact, I have seen people who tell me what they believe and all that stuff, and it's like, God will understand. And I I said, yeah, he will. And what they're saying is, because of my situation is so harsh, God will understand, I don't need to give. Oh, you're right, absolutely. And he'll understand that. But then I also have seen people who are in abundance give credit to God. It is because God has given me all these things. They have no problem giving. You, you, you see the, the paradigm of their, the way we think? You know, when I was a, I didn't become a believer until college. And I used to wait tables while I was in college. And um, this was back in the day when Standard gratuity was 15%. I don't even know when it became 18%, but 15%. There was a standard gratuity, but at the end of the night of my total sales to what my tip was in my pocket was always way above 20%. Americans are very generous. I received a lot more than 20%, and, you know, for college students, it was a lot of money back then. And at the end of the shift, we tip those who helped us in service, bartenders, busboys, whoever helped us in service, I gave my 10% to them because, and we all shared in the blessings, if you could say. So once I became a believer and born again, I get to church and somebody tells me about tithes and offering. I was like, okay, 10%. I get more than, you know, so my customers on average, I think was giving me over 20%. I have no problem giving 10% for good service that's how I used to think. It's a bad way of thinking about what God has done because really, it's in response to what God has given, which is wrong. But at that time, I started tithing because I had no problem giving in response to what I have seen God give. You guys with me? Okay. Even with bad theology, God used it. (laughs) And I can tell you, God has always provided for me. I never in my life struggled to get a job. Even when I wasn't good at keeping my job, God (laughs) blessed me with even better opportunities. I'm saying that's not what I deserve, but God just opened doors. I was always able to give and lack nothing. I had no problem. And as a family, we've always given our ties well, more than 10%, if we count up all the other ministries that we support, it averages a lot more. And God has blessed us. I, I, I can tell you, we live in, a, in blessings. So why is it that those who believe and give, God gives more? And those who struggle to give even first, continue. And continue to believe what they believe. There might be a relationship between what we sow to what we reap, as the scripture says. I can tell you that years ago, I teach you this because this is my full conviction from my biblical studies, experiential, my relationship with God, and what I want to give to you, okay? That's the heart of why I'm preaching this. But I never preached, I rarely ever preached this subject at the pulpit level because people get uncomfortable. So in the churches that I've served, people didn't like being uncomfortable, so I didn't preach it. Maybe that's my fault uh, because it, there was, it was already tense. I didn't want it to be harder, if you make, you know what I mean? So, um, but I did teach this subject to those I discipled, those who, saw me as a pastor and want to grow spiritually a few uh, men uh, this was many years ago i did discipleship with and i used to personally invite a few guys hey want to do discipleship with me and those who really wanted to grow in the spirit i took them and we went to intense discipleship together and during that time i taught on that subject of tithe and offering because this is what I believe. This is at the core of who I am, what I believe, what the scripture says, and it's true. So in that truth and faith, I wanted others to experience the blessings that God has given me, and I, and I taught it. And I remember the one time, I said it in such a way, it's like, test me on it. You try it, you, whether you believe it or not, try it and see what God would do in your life. I remember giving that challenge. One brother, he was a brand new believer. I mean, we're talking fresh, born again, but he was willing, and he was teachable. After that discipleship, he was willing. Now, years after, you know, I, we, we kept in touch sporadically, but I left that city, left that church. We kept in touch, and through some family travel circumstances, he called me up. Hey, we're going to be in Florida. We got together, and we were just catching up on a meal. And he was talking about, you know, what happened with his family, what's been going on since, and all of that, you know. And he told me, you know, one of the things that changed my life was that teaching on that, what you said that night on tithes and offering. And you gave a challenge. I was like, I'll give you, I'll take you up on that challenge. This is what he said. Now I'm paraphrasing. But after he started tithing and giving, beyond what he believed the church deserved or whatever. He, but he gave in obedience and even to test. God used that where he had a job opportunity that was far beyond what he expected. Better pay. If that wasn't just one blessing, he and his new wife I had the privilege to marry. They were looking for their first home. And as they searched, they Came across a house, and with the circumstances of the some tax credit, interest rate, and people helping, and, and they found a gem that it was way beyond what they thought they could even afford. In the neighborhood, there was no way they could find, but they, but God orchestrated in such a way that they were like, "Yeah, this is a miracle that we got that house." Not only that, years later, blessings of their kids, they got a donut shop. I mean, we're just talking financial overflow. And he said, it began after your discipleship. I gave that challenge. See, trust God. Is his words true or not? I believe it, but it will only impact you, not me, you, your life, if you try it. And he did. And he gave all the credit and his shift in his life after that class and when he put it into practice. I bring all of that to say, what we sow, we reap. Whether generously or sparingly, in accordance. God has given us a lot of seeds in our life. All of you guys, I see talents, intelligence, giftedness. Some of you are affluent, you guys are successful. Whatever you have, what are you using what God has given you to sow into the kingdom? Your value system, your talents, only you know. I don't know you well enough to know all the seeds that you have been given to you. But what God has given, what are you sowing into? Because what you sow, you will reap. There's a direct relationship. There's faith in partnering with God. It's not enough to just believe. It is to partner and to put into action the principle that we say we believe. Because who cares if you say you believe if your life is not transformed? And I'm saying, I believe there is this abundance blessings, shalom awaiting for those who decide to partner with the Father. And the Father loves you more than I love you. The Father cares for you, for your plans, for your life, for your health, for your uh, prosperity, for your shalom more than you care about yourself. And he's saying, why won't you partner with me? God cannot be mocked. If you say you believe and you're not putting in the principles, you are mocking God. Because you're making a joke of his words. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. Mm-hmm. I re- recognize this is a. Ah, gosh. I didn't mean it to be. <laughs> Anything related with money is always a tough challenge for all, okay? The, it is. It makes people feel uncomfortable. But I bring this up to say, I want you to be blessed. If you give anything to the church, I don't see it. I don't even know. So I can't even give you credit or give me thank you. I just say, if you are faithful to God, it is God who is going to see what you give and why you give your heart. It is, I I teach you just convinced that your life will be transformed. Not because you give to the church. And, And... and some of you guys who know my situation, you know why I'm teaching this. Not because I want to, but it's for you. There is no manipulation, no hidden agenda in any of this. It is for you. And I want you guys to be blessed. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.